You're listening to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast, episode 82, hosted by me, Robert Plotkin. Today, I'm going to be delivering the first part of a two-part series on how you and your team can work effectively remotely. Before I get started, I want to remind you to head on over to our website at technologyformindfulness.com for information and tips about how to be more focused, productive, creative, and happy using technology. And sign up for our mailing list to receive a free guide on how to find balance and manage your technology use with mindfulness. And now back to today's episode on how to work effectively remotely. We are all living now through an unprecedented time for both us as individuals and the organizations that we work for. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that this time may very well define an entire generation. The need to practice social distancing has affected the vast majority of the world's population, some places more than others, and in some places longer than others. Right now, I'm in the northeast of the U.S. in Massachusetts. It's late July 2020. And I've been working uh, full-time from home and practicing significant social distancing for well over four months, and there's no really clear end in sight here. And many other places are finding themselves in the same situation. And in addition to the obvious and real and understandable concerns that we all have about our health and the health of our family and friends and people around us, It's also true that many of us, even if we're fortunate enough to still be employed, are also finding it challenging to be as productive at work as we'd like to be and maybe even need to be, especially with added challenges such as taking care of children or elderly relatives, having to work at home with a spouse or other family members, experiencing isolation from your work colleagues and from the physical work environment in general, all of these can add to the challenges and stresses of working from home. And without trying to dismiss or minimize those challenges or fears in any way, today I'm going to focus on some of the ways in which you can be as productive as possible while working from home. And the reason I say that I'm not trying to dismiss the real difficulties that so many of us are facing is because I want to make clear that the reason I'm focusing on strategies for being successful is only because the more productive that you can be while working from home, the more secure you'll be financially and the easier it'll be to manage your stress levels and to take care of all of your other responsibilities. And then all of that will hopefully contribute to your health as well. We can look to the many organizations around the world that were already operating essentially as fully distributed remote companies before the crisis hit for some guidance and for some hope that it can be possible to work successfully from home. Now, of course, the extent to which you'll be able to do the same is going to depend on a wide variety of factors, some of which may not be under your control, including just the basic nature of your work. You know, some types of work are more amenable than others to working from home. It's going to depend on your access to the necessary technology 
And it's going to depend very much on the support you receive from your organization, cooperation from colleagues, superiors, and other people at your, your, your organization that you work for. So although not all of the strategies I'm going to describe today will be equally applicable to everybody, I'm going to focus intentionally on the steps that most people can take in some way to achieve some benefit, especially I'm trying to help those people who didn't have much or any experience working remotely from home before the coronavirus crisis hit. So use the tips that you hear from me today that work for you and don't use the others. Some will work better for you than others. You are the best judge of what will help you the best and experiment and try out different things and keep what works and don't keep what doesn't. So the first suggestion I'm going to make may seem somewhat counterintuitive, and that is to prepare yourself mentally, remind yourself that you may very well be less productive working from home than you were before, and that it's going to be an ongoing challenge. If you have now been working from home for a few weeks or maybe a few months by now, you may find that your productivity is down by 10, 20% more, maybe much more. I've spoken to many people who say that they think their whole company is probably working at about 70% of normal efficiency right now. And you may be wondering, how could it be helpful? Why am I suggesting to you to remind yourself that you'll be less productive now? I mean, didn't I say the goal of this episode was to help you to be more productive and as productive as possible? Yes, that's true. But there's actually many reasons it can be helpful to keep preparing yourself to be less productive than before. One is that if you in fact get less done than you would have at the office or the other workplace in the old pre-COVID days, you're just less likely to be judgmental about yourself. And when you judge yourself and tell yourself, I really, I should have gotten more done today. What's wrong with me? Why didn't I get more done today? That self-judgment, bitterness or resentment, it can increase your stress levels, take over your thoughts, can make it harder to get good sleep, and just affect your overall mood and feelings of self-worth overall. Whereas instead, if you start out your work day or your work week understanding and expecting that it's going to be challenging to get as much work done as you would have before, you'll be more likely to take it easier on yourself when you do end up being less productive. And if you turn out to be as productive, then it's a bonus. <laughs> you know, if you, if you end up at full productivity, it's just something to celebrate. But there is a more practical benefit to bringing your awareness to your decreased productivity. Personally, I find that being aware of this or expecting my productivity to be lower can help me to plan my work time in advance more realistically than if I expected to be at 100% productivity. And then, counterintuitively, that can help me to be more productive. Okay, here, that, if that seems strange, here's an example. Let's say I plan for my Monday based on the assumption that I'm going to be at 100% productivity. Let's say my workday is eight hours and I'm, I plan to get eight full hours of work done. So I put eight hours of work into my calendar. 
Well, I'm probably going to very quickly at the beginning of the day start falling behind schedule if I'm not as productive as I expected. That's a recipe for resentment and stress. It'll also throw my day off. It might cause me to have to reschedule meetings with people because I'm falling behind. I'll have to tell them I'm not ready to meet or I need to get something else done. Then I have to put in time and energy during my day to shuffling things around, to rescheduling tasks. This all takes up time and energy that further cuts into what was already decreased productivity. So if instead, at the beginning of my day, or whenever I was scheduling my time, if instead I had put fewer tasks into my schedule based on the assumption that I was going to be less productive, then I would be more likely to get those tasks done by the end of the day and with less stress. I'd be less likely to have to shuffle things around or reschedule. And then in that case, if I actually end up with some extra time at the end of the day because I didn't schedule as much into it, I have the opportunity to get a head start on something else for the next day and make that next day less stressful. So I've been doing this for a while. It's very hard, particularly if you are someone who prides yourself on being super productive, to actually assume that you won't be fully productive. But I strongly encourage you to be really brutally honest with yourself about how much you can realistically get done in a day and, and assume it's going to be less than your normal productivity outside of the crisis we're living through. At least give it a shot and see if it has the, the paradoxical effect that I described in which you could actually get more work done than you thought you could by planning or expecting to get less done. So, so far, I've talked just a little bit about developing and practicing a shift in mindset that can help working from home to be more manageable. For the rest of this episode, I'm going to focus on three specific tips for working from home effectively and then talk about managing interruptions. My first general suggestion is to establish clear boundaries. And what I've found is the single biggest factor that can make working from home more challenging than working outside of the home is that when you work outside of the home, there's a clear distinction between home and work. And for most people, this makes it much easier to focus on work while physically at work and then to leave work behind once they go home. But then once you start to work from home, that built-in boundary disappears because your physical workplace and your physical home become the same place. But maintaining your mental boundary between work and home is still just as important, probably even more important. And when you work from home, it, it becomes up to you to intentionally recreate that boundary between home and work in whatever ways you can. And it's really critical that you do so because it's not going to happen on its own. There are three different types of boundaries that come into play here, which I'm going to break down separately for you. The first is the physical boundaries. These are the boundaries between the work and personal spaces in your home. And I think that for most people, 
this is the most important type of boundary to create right at the outset when you start to work from home. I'm sure many of you have been doing this already, but I'm going to give you some pointers that I found from working from home for many, many years uh, that, that contribute to success. You know, you've probably found already that although working from your couch or your bed or some other personal space like that may feel really appealing, that it's one of the great and most common mistakes that people who are new to re- to remote working make. I mean, there's a few very rare people who can work productively at the kitchen table all day, but for most of us, that's just the kiss of death. Uh, the moment that you sit on the couch to start working, it's just so, it's really hard to resist the urge to, well, I'll just take a nap or I'll just turn on the TV and watch something briefly. It's very hard. So instead, I suggest considering the following steps to establishing clear physical boundaries in your home. The first may be the most obvious, which is to create a separate physical workspace in your home. If you have the room, the space for a personal office in your home, great. If not, you can do something simpler but still very effective, which is buy or create, even make your own small desk to stick in the corner of a room and The key thing is to reserve this space, whatever it is, exclusively for work, where you only use that space for working and don't engage in personal tasks there. Uh, You could put up a divider or a curtain between your workspace and your personal space if you don't have a separate room that you can dedicate as as a work office or other workspace. Uh, And just as important as it is to only do work in your workspace it's important to be disciplined about not doing work in other spaces. So workspaces for work, non-workspaces are for non-work. And try to be as hardline as you can on this. It's so hard with our devices and phone following us around. But this is not just about maximizing productivity while working in your workspace. It's also about protecting your personal time and your personal headspace and your connection with your family and people you're living with. And about just being able to relax when you're not working. So this is as much about maintaining that personal mindset and headspace while in your personal spaces as it is about staying focused on work while in your workspace. If you can, this is another tip, if you can, set up devices that are reserved exclusively for work. So if you have a laptop for work, don't set it up for personal tasks. Don't put your personal email login on there or video games or other personal types of apps on there just because you're using it from home. If you're used to using a personal computer or smartphone for personal needs, continue to use that device or devices just for personal needs to maintain the digital separation. Also, I really strongly encourage you to ban all devices from your bedroom. And the reason for this isn't obviously or only productivity related, but it does have a productivity component to it, which is that if you don't protect your physical spaces for relaxation and you allow work to seep into your personal home life and spaces, you'll just quickly find yourself becoming burnt out. And that, in addition to having the obvious negative health consequences, it's going to make it hard to be more productive while you're working. So this can become a really harmful cycle that can feed on itself if you don't keep this separation. So really, please keep devices out of the bedroom. So 
Uh, next, I talked about physical boundaries. Next, I'm going to talk about time-related, temporal boundaries. These relate to when and how you work. So now assume you've got your physical space reserved and protected for work-related activities and your personal spaces reserved for personal relaxation, family, friend time. It's time to talk about the time blocks you reserve for work and for personal time. The first simplest thing in theory to do, but can be hard in practice, I suggest, is to establish a fixed start and end time for your workday. So if before working from home, you were used to going into the office at nine and leaving at five, you may want to try sticking to that schedule because it's familiar to you and it's familiar to your body to start and end at those times. Whatever it is, pick a start and end time and do your best to stick to them. If that seems too rigid or hard to do, at least pick a time before which you won't work. So let's say you're planning to work nine to five, but at least tell yourself and practice no work before 8 a.m. and no work after 6 p.m. That can be more manageable for many people. The next thing is to schedule breaks. I mean, I'm talking about being productive and setting boundaries, but that can include setting breaks during your work time. And this is something that, of course, is applicable even if you weren't working remotely from home. Really important to recharge and not try to work straight through for hours and hours at a time. Uh, There's lots of tips out there and techniques for doing this. One's called the Pomodoro method, and then there's Pomodoro timers you can get on your phone or computer. Basically, to set a schedule for working on for a certain amount of time and then taking a break for a certain amount of time. Might be work for 50 minutes and break for 10 minutes. Work for 50 minutes, break for 10. And uh, many people find that really helps them rejuvenate and be able to stick it out for the whole workday without dragging at the end of the day. That's just one of the many benefits of it. So setting the schedule has many benefits. One of them is that it, it sends a message to your brain throughout your day and before your day starts even about when you're going to need to be in that work mode mentally and can really help improve your focus and productivity. And it can decrease your stress when the day is over because you know that you've got that time off before your day starts again the next day, your work day. So finally, we've talked about physical boundaries, talked about temporal boundaries. Lastly, let's talk about the importance of personal boundaries. Not any less important than the first two. In fact, for many people, especially those who are married or have kids or living at home with with several different people, this can be the most important boundary of them all. Personal boundaries exist where your work converges, overlaps, rubs up against in some way the people who you live with. And especially for those who have children, it can be really difficult to keep interruptions down to a manageable level and also for you to manage transitions between focusing and doing your own work on the one hand and caring for and homeschooling your children on the other hand. For many people, the overstepping of these boundaries and the conflicts caused by them can be the greatest challenge to working from home productively. can also trigger lots of guilt and self-judgment, other strong feelings, guilt about working when your family is there, about not having more time with them when you feel like you, quote, should, uh, because you're physically together. It just, this can really be hard for everyone involved. I mean, after all, you're home. 
you probably want to be taking advantage of this time to spend more time with your family. Your kids may be asking for more time to be with you and share time with you in ways that you couldn't before. You want to do that, I'm sure. And probably you found ways to to see and experience the silver lining in the time that you now have at home with your family. So I just want to be clear. I'm not suggesting at all when I talk about productivity that you not savor this time together and see it for all the positive aspects that it can have. Instead, I'm just focused on trying to help you to do what you can to get the work done that you need to do in the face of what can be challenges maintaining personal boundaries. So so a couple of things that can help to maintain personal boundaries and also maintain the peace (laughs) amongst you and your family members is to take some time, and I'm sure you've done some of this already, but to try to be open and upfront, explicit, intentional in talking about what boundaries you want, need, would find helpful, and the same from your other family members. So find out from them what they need, want, would find helpful. To bring it out into the open, to try to come up with some agreements, clear agreements or at least general understandings about what the personal boundary should be to help you do your work in the way that you need to. This can be, you know, what times you are and are not available to be interrupted, what times you want to spend together, which could be during the workday, could be during a lunch hour or other break, it could be after the workday is over. See if you can find ways to come to some shared understanding. The reason the shared understanding in advance can be helpful is it can cut down on the hard feelings that result when someone spontaneously in the moment wants to connect with you and you're, you're wanting to or needing to focus on work instead. Um, you're going to want there to be a clear understanding am- amongst your family or other people you're living with about where that workspace of yours is. Particularly if it's only part of a room, you want them to know where it is so there's no conflict around that. Uh, are there rules or guidelines you want about when or how other people can be in that workspace? Can they not be in it at all? Can they be in it at certain times of the day? Also really important, just may seem strange, but how to communicate with each other while at home is something that can be really helpful to do. I say it may seem strange because you might think, oh, we're all at home. We don't have to agree. We can just shout, (laughs) knock on a door, text, uh, whatever we want to do. But you may find that different people have different ideas about what is acceptable or welcome, and that one person may feel that knocking on the door is a great way to do it and someone else doesn't. So it's another thing that's really important to get out into the open uh, about how to communicate with each other to keep those personal boundaries clear. So these are just some ideas. Uh, I've covered now three types of boundaries that I think can be really critical to Uh, establishing in order to be successful while working from home. Those are physical boundaries, time or temporal boundaries, and personal boundaries. And even if you don't like or you forget all the specific suggestions I've made, if you can keep these categories in mind, I'm sure you'll find your own ways to work on them, improve them, change them over time, and to make changes and tweaks to help your, your homework experience be better. And Also, remember not to expect perfection from yourself in this. 
I really encourage you to savor even really small changes or positive improvements you can make when it comes to boundaries. So if there's all kinds of um, breaches of boundaries, boundary violations, you know, that's going to happen. You know, uh, don't be too hard on yourself if you're the person engaging in that or a family member. You know, just remember this is all challenging for everyone and that any, any improvement you can make is something to really cherish. This is going to be hard. So before I sign off from today's episode, I do want to just briefly mention one other critical aspect of success in working from home. It's again, I'm sure something you've experienced already being challenging, which is finding ways to manage interruptions. I'm sure you've had many of them <laughs> working from home. Uh, in his book, Your Brain at Work, Dr. David Rock talks about recent studies on the effect of interruptions on humans while performing tasks. And most disturbingly, he notes that after an interruption, it can take us up to 25 minutes to return to the original task we were performing, if at all. I mean, that may sound like a lot of time, but I know if I'm engaged in some really deep thought, writing something, doing some analysis, or I'm, I'm really in that zone and I get interrupted unexpectedly, it can easily take me 10, 15 minutes or more to get back into that deep zone of concentration or creativity easily. What this fact should make, I hope makes clear to you, is that getting interrupted for 10 seconds doesn't just interrupt you for 10 seconds. It can interrupt you for the whole period of time that it takes you to refocus yourself on what you were doing before. And it can be really challenging sometimes even to remember what you were doing before. How often have we all gone down that rabbit hole and then said to ourselves, what was I doing before this all happened? Uh, I'm laughing, but you know it's not funny when you're trying to, to get work done. And so we all know that managing external interruptions is really critical to maintaining productivity anywhere, even if you're at a, a outside of the home workplace. But it becomes even more important when you're working from home because of all the built-in distractions, whether it's uh, doing the laundry, uh, getting a snack, watching TV, family members, anything, so many things, so many chores you could be doing at home, things you could be taking care of. It's even more important to manage these external interruptions. So consider some of the following as suggestions. One, and there's, we've covered this so many times on the website, which is to manage your notifications. Use do not disturb on your devices really liberally. Uh, this includes cutting back on unnecessary notifications, just turning off unnecessary notifications from apps that you don't need to be notified from. I mean, do you really need to get a, a notification from your weather app that it's going to rain if you're sitting at home all day? Turn those notifications off. Maybe just put your notifications all on one device like your phone and turn them completely off on all of your other devices. That's another example. Or, you know, you don't need Facebook notifications on both your desktop and computer and your smartphone. Just put it on one, if, if at all. You can also automatically schedule Do Not Disturb to pause personal notifications during work hours or all notifications except for critical ones. Another thing I find and many people find helpful to keep us focused and, and, and cut down on distraction is to use sound or music, 
playing in the background to improve focus. And, uh, there's so many apps. I've talked about Focus at Will is one. There's Calm is another app, uh, Insight Timer. These all have various kinds of music and sounds that you can play to cut back on background noise and actually improve and increase your focus and help contribute to a feeling of calm while you're working really improve your mood. So I suggest uh, checking those out. You can also use all kinds of blockers. Uh, There's website blockers that will protect you against your own temptation to go on Facebook or social media or YouTube or Netflix. Uh, Look around. Uh, One of them is called Freedom. Uh, There's Leech Block. There's Antisocial is another one. Look around for website, social media, and internet blockers, and you'll find many of them out there that will stop you (laughs) from acting on your temptation to do those things while you're working by just blocking access uh, to websites. Some of them have timers where you can allow yourself, let's say, up to 30 minutes in a day to go on to certain websites, but then after you exceed that time, they'll block you. There's all kinds of great things. Also, there's an add-in for Gmail called Inbox When Ready, which blocks you from seeing your inbox after you've used it for a certain amount of time during the day. So you go to Gmail and your inbox looks like it's empty. So if you (laughs) succumb to that temptation to check your email, In Gmail, you won't see it there, and you can set all kinds of settings in Inbox when ready uh, in order to help cut down the amount of time you spend just mindlessly checking your email. And these are just a small sample of ways in which you can manage your external interruptions. Check out uh, the Technology for Mindfulness website for many, many others. And even though each of these steps might only you know, reduce some interruptions and not others. Again, remember, don't expect perfection. Any amount of interruptions you can reduce, uh, see it as a benefit. If you get back 30 minutes of your day every day, just think about how much of an improvement that can be. So thanks so much for joining me for this Technology for Mindfulness podcast. I'm Robert Plotkin, the host and the founder of Technology for Mindfulness. I hope you've enjoyed this as the first part of a two-part series on how to work effectively remotely. If you like today's episode, please subscribe and rate and review and share the episode with your friends. Don't forget to also check out our blog at technologyformindfulness.com for information and tips about how to be more focused, productive, creative, and happy using technology. And sign up for our mailing list to receive a free guide on how to find balance and manage your technology use with mindfulness. I'm Robert Plotkin, and I'll join you next time on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast.